Hello, everyone. It's Jilly. Welcome back to episode two. Thank you for being here with me. I am excited for today. So today we're just going to be talking about the the four different ladder options in an MBTI type specifically. And then next episode, we are going to look at the cognitive functions that Jung developed and that MBTI is actually based on. But I, most people are the most familiar with MBTI. So that's what I wanted to start with today. So when you look at the, the different acronym options for different MBTI types, we have INFJ, and then other options are ENTP, ISTP, INTJ, ISTJ. You look at all these different letter combinations, and those four different letters signify different cognitive processes and the, the ways that we take in information from the outside world, the ways that we process that information and organize it, and then the ways that we come to a decision or a judgment and then take action based on it. So the problem with a lot of personality websites and descriptions is that they are looking at behaviors and actions and quote-unquote preferences that you have. And that's a reason why it is criticized sometimes and a reason why when you read those descriptions, they might not resonate all of it or any of it. And it's because they're looking at behavior, but the actual cognitive functions describe cognitive processes. So it, it, it's the way that your brain is collecting data and information and then processing it. The, the behavior is actually the outcome of that cognitive process. So you can't just look at people's behavior or the way they talk or what they do. You can't just look at that from the outside and determine what someone's type is. What matters is the process that is underlying that behavior or that action. What matters is the reasons why someone takes an action or has a behavior or has a preference. And obviously, you can infer maybe the reasons why someone makes a decision or says something, but you you don't really know unless you ask them. <laughs> and because people have you know psychological defense mechanisms and all kinds of ways that the brain uh, protects us from getting to really know ourselves, it can be challenging sometimes to to accurately type somebody. And if you're going through a stressful situation or if you have been through external you know, trauma or things that can affect your behavior or your personality or if you have mental health conditions at different times in your life, there's a lot of different things that can change a person's behavior or the way they think. And that's a reason why when you read a type description, it doesn't necessarily hit every element. It's because it's describing just a generalization of what a typical person of that type could be like. But there are so many different factors that determine someone's personality and that determine the ways that we think and act in the world. So it, it that's another big reason why type isn't everything because there's genetic factors and external factors and so many different things that contribute to who we are and why we do the things we do. So 
by any means, you know, cognitive function theory is not the end all be all of our personality or the ways that we interact with the world. It's just one framework to look at it from. And it, it, it's one that I found very helpful both for myself and for um, clients that I've worked with. So by all means, there are a lot of other ways to to look at ourselves. Um, and I, I just wanted to address some of those um some of those points and some misconceptions and some misinformation that's out there because there's all kinds of it. And if you have any questions specifically with any of that, um, send me a DM on infj.growth or my personal page is Jilly Loza. Um, so yeah, if, if you have any specific questions or things that you aren't sure about, absolutely reach out and ask me because there's there's so many different things I could talk about and I don't want to I don't want to drone on for too long. I want this to be practical. But yeah, if you do have any questions, let me know. So with again, with the different types of functions, you have the, the first set, which is E or I, which is extroversion or introversion. The second set is S or N, which is sensing or intuition. The third set is T or F, which is thinking or feeling. And then the fourth set is P or J, which is perceiving or judging. And it Something that's interesting that I, it's helpful for me to view it in this way. MBTI and cognitive function theory, the, those two different functions, they are opposites and they are binary for lack of a better word. You can't use a thinking function and a feeling function at exactly the same time. It's like you have a right hand, you have a left hand. You actually do use both, even though you only have one of those letters in your type, and we'll get into that. But they're opposite processes, opposite ways of making decisions, opposite ways of processing information. You can't do both at the exact same time. That That's just the, the cognitive theory that Jung developed. I'm not saying that's 100% accurate, but that's just the, the theory of cognitive functions. And... They, it, it's not a spectrum and it, it's not a trait. It's one or the other. There's different ways to use functions and you can use them healthily. You can use them unhealthily. So there, there's a lot of different expressions of these different functions and a lot of different ways that they play out and ways that they look in real life. But it, it, it's really important. Say if you take a personality test online, that's not the actual MBTI test. I get frustrated a lot of times because those personality tests that then say you're really extroverted or you're really strong feeling, the actual cognitive function theory, there's no measurement to it. There's no strength to it. There's no saying you're a, a really strong introvert or a really strong feeler. In MBTI specifically, it is just telling you the probability that you are a, a dominant user of one function or another. We both we we use all the functions all the time. The dominant function is the one that we again, like the tool analogy, it's the tool that we feel the most comfortable using. It's the tool that we use the most often. It feels the most natural to us. It requires the least amount of energy. So say if you're really good with a hammer, you can pick up a screwdriver and you can use it. But if you say, or even if you're 
writing with your left hand if you're right-handed. You you can write with your left hand, but it's not going to feel as natural. It is not going to be your go-to. It's going to take more focus, more energy, more concentration. And it, it will never, even if you practice with it, it's never going to feel as natural and effortless as writing with your dominant hand. So the, the dominant function is just compare it to whatever hand that you are more comfortable using. Yes, people are ambidextrous, but most people have a dominant hand that they use for most things or that feels more effortless. So when I say dominant function, I don't mean like the strongest function or the best function. It really is just the one that you feel the most comfortable with and the one that you use the most often just naturally. And there's no none that are better or worse than another. There are none that you should be using we're really removing all judgment from all of this. So the the other analogy that I like to use with the different functions, the, op- the opposing aspect of it, it's like if you're driving a car, you can turn right, say using your intuition, you can turn left using sensing. You can't do both at the same time. You can drive straight, yes, but if you need to turn around a bend or if you need to go in a certain direction, you have to turn right or left. You can turn right and then turn left, but you can't do both at the same time. So that's the other analogy that I like to use to just illustrate that they are opposing functions. You can switch between them very quickly, but you you can't do both at the same time. So that that's just an important thing that just to keep in mind, you don't need to be like taking notes or writing any of this down, but I will, I will I'll just reference it later um, as we dive deeper into this world. Okay. So going back to the E versus the I, extroversion versus introversion, this has nothing to do with sociability. It has nothing to do with how talkative you are or how much you like being around people. It is just the way that we direct energy. So if it's an extroverted function, or if you have an E as your dominant function in an MBTI type, it's just the natural way that your energy flows. So you are more likely to direct energy outside of you. You are energized by interacting with the world outside of you. You are more likely to just direct energy to whatever is around you. With an introverted side, you are directing energy to your own internal experience. You are re-energized by interacting with your own internal world. And the different functions actually are extroverted or introverted, but I'm going to talk about that next time. Today, we're just going to talk about the MBTI letter types. So the next is S versus N, which is sensing or intuition. Sensing, they are attending to detail, like concrete information in the real world. So it's looking at what is around you in the real world. And it is looking at typically in the moment, like in the now. (laughs) Whereas intuition, it is looking at the deeper underlying patterns. It's looking at connections between different things that maybe we're not even aware of. And in general, people with an N function, they are more looking to the future and more abstract, whereas the S is more concrete. T versus F, thinking versus feeling. Thinking is looking at the, it's really about cause and effect. It's about if I do this, then this happens. It is more logical. It is looking at 
the way that we make decisions, the way that we organize information, the things that we prioritize, they tend to take emotions out of it and just look at the facts or the facts that they are considering to be pertinent. Whereas with feeling, it is looking at the individual, the person or the people. It is looking at the the needs of the group, the values of the group, harmony, or your own internal feelings and authenticity. It's more focused on people, whereas the T side of it is more focused on facts. And then P versus J, which is perceiving versus judging. I don't like those ones because they they kind of misrepresent what they mean. So with judging, you think it would be judgmental or with perceiving, it means you're perceptive. It's not like that at all. With the P, it's it really is the way that we're interacting with the world around us. So people who are perceiving, they prefer to be more open. They prefer to keep their options open. They are more flexible kind of in their approach to the world. They kind of take life as it comes. They don't really want to plan. They don't want to follow steps as a generalization. (laughs) The J side of it or type, it's more about closure. So they prefer to come to decisions a little bit more quickly. They don't like to keep their options open as much. And they like to work a little bit more systematically, work in steps, make a plan. All of these are generalizations. None of these are going to 100% fit for anybody. I'm just giving different options and different explanations that might fit for you or might fit for someone else. I'm, I know that I'm missing some. I know that there's different ways to describe it. I just want to describe it in the way that is the easiest to wrap your head around. There's so many different ways to look at this. But it does help to just know what the the two sides of it are when you're looking at someone's type. And the the E versus I and the J versus P, those were not included in Jung's cognitive theory. Those were added in by uh, Myers and Briggs when they developed their own um, version of that. And it they added those just to help you just understand the the dominant function, whether it's extroverted or introverted. And they also added the J and the P just to give you and give other people an idea of the ways that we like to work because MBTI is used a lot in team environments and in work environments to just help us understand one another and help us develop teamwork in the ways that we work well together. Jung did not include those in his cognitive theory. So in the next episode, I'll be talking about the the individual cognitive functions in the stack, and J's and P's will not be mentioned. I won't be talking about those much at all in the future. Um, if you have questions with that specifically, let me know. But I'm focusing on type theory and type development based on um, Carl Jung's theories. So um, those are the ones that we will be talking about. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to give that brief overview with that, give some examples. If you have questions with any of that, let me know. And then tomorrow we'll be diving into the the more exciting part and the part that starts to make a lot more sense for INFJ specifically, which is the the cognitive stack. So we'll be talking about that tomorrow. So when, when we look at INFJs, we are people who prefer to direct our focus and our attention to our internal world first. That's where we feel the most comfortable and the most at ease. That's where we feel at home. 
That's what feels most natural to us. Intuition is the function that we use to perceive and collect data. And it it's such a it's such an interesting one and it's so nuanced because intuition is not looking at concrete data on the surface. It's it's taking everything in, but it is really relying on a vast array of neural networks of covert connections that we're not even aware of. It is comparing things to our our past experiences and observations and there's so much below the surface that intuition is looking at and it's actually the function that is closest to our unconscious level of cognitive functioning. So that's a reason why a lot of INFJs specifically we don't know the we don't know the reasons why we know the things we know and that's because we are collecting information based on intuition. It has nothing to do with a gut feeling. It has nothing to do with a hunch. It has nothing to do with any of that. That's a huge misconception that is floating out there on the internet. It literally is just the way that we collect information and the way that we process that information, both internally and externally. So then for our our deciding function, which is what we actually do with that information, obviously INFJs are F types. So we don't necessarily prioritize our own feelings, but it is more connecting with the feelings of others, the the values, harmony, focused on people over processes and efficiency. Those are the ways that we typically come to a judgment or make decisions. We do also use the T function as well, but I will talk about that on a later episode. And then the J side of it for INFJs is the way that we interact with the outside world. So we we lead with a perceiving function internally and then we the way that we navigate the outside world is the J side. So that is again we usually want to come to a closure. We sometimes want to make a decision a little bit more quickly than a P type. We might like to make a plan. We like to have maybe some structure to our environment or to the people that we interact with. Again, There is a wide variety of representations and behaviors that result from this. But as a whole, if you look at an INFJ personality type, that's that's a generalization of what you would expect to encounter. And that's where the the middle two letters especially are the the areas that are described in the the personality uh, descriptions online. So they kind of just take a, a... generic representation of what you would expect a typical INFJ to have. And it's the, again, like the behaviors and the personality traits that are described on there, but that has nothing to do with the cognitive functions, has nothing to do with the ways that your brain processes information. And that's the stuff that we're going to be really diving into deeply to figure out what's going on behind our behaviors and the ways that we think, why any of this matters, what we can actually do with it, and how we can use all of this information to understand ourselves better and to to start to change our lives, to make it easier. This is a lot of information and it, it, it's a deep dive. If you walk away with anything from all of this, just know that we as INFJs, we the ways that we collect information is by intuition, which is again our 
almost unconscious ability to make connections, see underlying patterns, connect things that seem completely unrelated. We're looking below the surface. We're looking for the deeper meaning. We're looking to the future. We're looking to predict or project things that might happen in the future. And the ways that we make decisions or the ways that we bring all of that information that we collected to to a judgment or to an outcome or to take action is by feeling and specifically the feelings of others and the group and the people around us. So that's where I'm going to leave it for today. Tomorrow, we are going to focus on the actual functions on the cognitive stack. And that's where things get more interesting and exciting because it's actually specific to INFJs and we're not just doing the overview of all the different types. So again, if you have questions, let me know. Um, It would mean so much to me if you are resonating with any of this, if you would follow me on Instagram, it is infj.growth. And if, again, this is resonating, shoot me a message. That would mean so much to me. Um, If you could subscribe or leave an honest review, that would mean so much to me too. Your guys' support means everything to me. So until next time, thank you so much for listening and I will see you tomorrow. Bye.